Welcome to the March to a Million podcast with Greg DuPont, founder of the Wealth Solutions Network. In this podcast, Greg shares his journey to positively impact one million lives by creating an army of financially minded attorneys who embrace an expanded role in their clients' lives. Greg and his guests challenge the status quo in the legal profession and the financial services industry and show attorneys how they can improve their lives, provide greater value to their clients, and experience greater professional satisfaction. Join us in this movement and strengthen your business by learning how to solve your clients' most pressing financial problems. Hello and welcome to the March to a Million podcast with Greg DuPont. Now, today we are going to be talking about financial advocate, but most importantly, we're going to talk about the six pillars. Now, we previewed this a little bit on the last episode, and if you didn't listen to that, please go back and listen to actually the first couple episodes, as they're going to really give you a better idea on who Greg is, what he does, and what makes him tick. But today, we're really going to be breaking down these six pillars. All right, Greg, let's take a brief overview of those six pillars, because we're going to dive into pillar one today. So, Matt, when I decided that I was going to try to translate my system that I developed over all these years to other attorneys and shorten the speed to success for them, I, I focus from what are the problems that need to be solved? This is all about solving consumer problems uh, and acknowledging that there are patterns that exist. So when we're thinking about how does a, a attorney jump into this position of a financial advocate for their client, uh, I had to figure out ways to package this. Uh, and when I started looking at that, I found you know, basically there's six different ways that each one of them would fit into a different attorney's practice in a different way or form. Uh, and each one of them, I contend, can add six figures to their practice uh, in the first year easily. Okay. Uh, and so I've broken those down into my six pillars, uh, the six pillars being wealth management. What is that? Uh, wealth preservation. How does that fit into the legal practice? Wealth enhancement, um, wealth accumulation, uh, wealth transfer. And the sixth one, most importantly, is the financial advocacy mindset. So wealth management, I'm sure that if we Googled it right now, uh, there would be a million definitions of what wealth management is, who it's for. I mean, there's a lot of people who just like they look at the word wealth and they're like, well, I'm not really wealthy. But what you're going to talk about today, actually, it has broad appeal. Uh, so let's talk about wealth management. How do you in these six pillars define wealth management? And if you wouldn't mind, make sure you're sprinkling some good examples uh, so that that our listeners can be like, oh, that's me. So, you know, wealth is kind of a polarizing term, isn't it? Uh, and, you know, it's, it's hard it's hard to capture one's life savings in any other phrase but wealth, right? I mean, you call it your your, your bucket management. No, that, that doesn't work, right? But what we do in all around wealth is, you know, your, your well-being, your savings. Uh, and, and it's not just millionaires and billionaires. I think we had a guy that used that phrase a while ago, right? Uh, and I can't use the nice Texas twang on that. You know, so so wealth in this context is the life savings, is the representation of that person's journey to that point in time when the advocate attorney is having the conversation. How do we protect what we've got and have it move forward so that that lifestyle, that wealth, uh, supports their desired goals. 
So as an advocate, and I'm kind of forwarding to the sixth pillar here, uh, one of the neat things that I love about your system and, and what you're talking to attorneys uh on training attorneys on how to do is to have real conversations too. And so part of that wealth discussion is also about what are you going to do with it? Right. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Is that, is that a fair statement or am I off? No, you're, you're spot on. It's how does your money support your life in the way that you want to live it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that lifestyle component, I want everybody to be very clear about that, that that can be everything from, and we're going to address these charitable giving, what you're going to be doing in retirement, how you're going to be giving back, what you're going to do with your time, spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of those sorts of things. Everything is tired and tied into that word wealth. And it's important for you to understand that to become an advocate, because you're walking in to something that has emotion to it and the way that you have built this whole system, it covers all of that. So let's talk about your evolution though. So we just defined wealth management, right? You've gone through this really amazing process and evolution as a wealth manager. Let's talk about that. Yeah. When I, uh, when I decided uh, that what I wanted to do for my client base, meaning my legal clients, that I wanted to take a deeper role in their lives, a more meaningful role in their lives. You know, I love the estate planning conversations I was having. I didn't like the fact that when we had the conversation, it was over and done and there was no ongoing relationship. Uh, and so I decided that I wanted to bring these tools to my clients. And the first step that I took at that point in time was to uh, be what the industry calls a captive agent. I went into the belly of the beast, spent three years with a national financial planning and mutual fund firm uh, and saw what it looked like. Uh, and I think, as I alluded to before, saw why I had so many uncomfortable cups of coffee with guys in the industry over the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, so when I went in, and this is this is right around the 08 crash, a little bit before that, so perfect timing to do that, right? Uh, but I saw it from the mutual fund perspective, which was at that point in time, kind of the predominant place for investment for the consumer. You know, most most consumers don't have enough money to have individual stocks and bonds, that kind of stuff. It's just not what they they've got. And they can't do it well, let's put it that way, that level of money. And so I saw what kind of management of accounts within that window look like. Uh, and I saw the layering of costs that are there in the typical mutual fund industry. You know, the you have maybe a reduced cost structure within the fund itself because of certain things, but then a wrap fee or whatever on top of it. And so the consumer has a very high threshold before they have to, before they can get any uh, return. And so that kind of formulated my my belief that and there needs to be a little bit of better way than that. And that kind of led me to some of the uh, John Bogle training the, and, the, and I became a Boglehead for a while. <laughs> uh, you know, the, is it Bogle? I don't know. I've never been sure how to pronounce it, but anyways, a low cost fixed uh, index investing and those kind of things, right? Um, I, and I tried my hand at managing those things myself when I became independent. Uh, and I found that the market is moving so fast that you, you can't manage it. I mean, you, anybody that tells you they know what tomorrow is going to look like in the market is, is delusional or a liar. Yeah. Uh, so 
uh, as I've evolved, it's been more into structures uh, and uh, having the, the right tools do the right thing because uh, we know cost is a problem. And what came from that, at least from the perspective of Wealth Solutions Network, is as I realized that, okay, there's more the structures that drive the, the outcome, then it became less impactful what was in each structure became you know became commoditized right uh, and so now technology allows us to take advantage of that commoditization that is a um it can be a, be a robo portfolio for people that know that type of phrasing out there or just the management of the portfolio of investments you know, is outsourced uh, let's go low for cost and so that again opens the door for an attorney that wants to take this mindset of stewardship and advocacy for their client. And they don't need to learn all the crap that I learned. <laughs> <laughs> crap that people in the investing world kind of thinks is a differentiator. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was talking to one of my, one of the members of Well Solutions. I was, I was, I was doing his training, his onboarding training the other day. And he said, Greg, you know, I've been practicing law for a long time and I've been all around this uh, the subject of insurance and investments and all stuff, but I, I, I don't really know that much about this stuff. And I'm like, hey, 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 ooh, don't worry about it. That's what this is all about. You don't need to know all that stuff. As a matter of fact, you are just providing solutions. Our back office team does the technical details. So you're not out there selling a product. You're providing a solution. So in an instant, you know, it just alleviated all that problem for him because nobody wants to be out there as a lawyer and seeing people seeing him as peddling product. That's not what we do. We're providing solutions that otherwise are not being told to these consumers. And that's how the six pillars are all formulated because each of them has a, a process that goes to the solution that takes care of the problem for the consumer. And these are problems that you have researched and, and and know both personally and through your experience over time that these are the things that that bubbled up and and so so I'm thinking about the attorney that you're onboarding and and um, this isn't for the faint of heart uh, but if you can pass you know the bar uh, or your MCAT. There are some tests you have to take. Can we can we talk a little bit about the licensing component that you need to have in order to really fulfill this pillar specifically? Yeah. Uh, so to be perfectly licensed for the investment side of things, not the insurance side of things. Right. Okay. For the investment side of things, I, I think I mentioned in passing in our prior conversation that um, the level of testing to qualify under the SEC is is actually one of the lower levels of testing that is there for the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a uh, it's called the Series sixty five, uh, and it is the fiduciary standard, uh, and that's why I, I kind of make fun of the fact that it's fiduciary standard, at least from the perspective of the industry, because that just means you get you're the lowest level of of qualification from the industry standpoint. But what it does, a Series 65 provides a investment advisor representative the ability to sell, quote unquote, investments, uh, but under a 
an annual fee instead of for commission. Okay. So studying for the Series 65, it really can be done as a self-study. I have a, a wonderful associate of mine. He was at 28.9 at the time. He spent a month. He's not an attorney. He had no background in the industry whatsoever. Uh, had a cons consumer service background and a desire to serve. Mm. Uh, and he spent uh, a month, month and a half on, on my nickel. Uh, learning, uh, studying a book about an inch and a half thick, um, half of a, of a typical textbook in law school, right? Uh, studied that and took some practice tests and passed the test, okay? It's, it's not a multi-day test like uh, some of them are. Some of the higher level securities tests are onerous and, and Lord knows I wouldn't want to take them. Uh, I'm done with that, but um but what it takes, uh, you need some sponsoring to get in to be able to take the test and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you can buy a book at Amazon for less than 100 bucks, spend some of your time researching it, learning some of the fundamentals that everybody needs to know. Uh, but then you don't have to get worried about all the specifics of product and all that crap. Well, and those higher level tests, I mean, I can start just rambling off series numbers because I've been doing this for a long time. I like that you've simplified it down to a 65 uh, because that really does open up this with this wealth management door. All right. Um, now we're going to get get a little bit more into the meat and potatoes of wealth management. What are the three S's for the average investor? Strategy, structure, and stewardship. Elaborate. So, you know, the we, we need to have an overriding strategy that's appropriate for what we're trying to get to. Okay. What, you know, are, are we talking about somebody that's uh, trying to, they're still early in life and they're trying to get out of debt and those kinds of things. So what's the strategy that we're going to apply there to, to accelerate that process? We'll talk about that in one of the other uh, pillars, you know, but as I mentioned in passing earlier, it, the structure of the assets is what really controls what's going to happen with it. We're living this era now where uh, hopefully uh, the veil is starting to come off on modern portfolio theory as it has been implemented, uh, where everybody's just buy and hold and stocks and bonds are supposed to work in opposite directions and all that malarkey that the consumer knows isn't working for them. Uh, and so properly using risk tools and non-risk tools in the right structure is really the key to moving forward for a uh, investor in the in the modern era, uh, and you know having the right type of income and those type of things. So just again, having the right tools structured in the right way so they're doing their job, not trying to put a square peg in a round hole, which is what happens when we have an insurance guy or an investment guy going to the consumer saying. My solution is the solution. The other guys in, in solution don't do nothing. Okay. And then stewardship. The, the role of the financial advocate, really what the role of, of a good advisor outside of this context mm -hmm. is to be that coach uh, and to be there alongside of the consumer, helping them make right decisions, being that steward uh, of the wealth, right? Uh, however that's defined. 
when it comes to those three S's, when I'm entering into your program, how ubiquitous are those S's in all of the other pillars? I mean, it just seems to me that sounds like a core value almost of this process. Am I close or am I way off? You, you hit a spot on there, Matt. You know, these are the core values upon which WSN is founded uh, yeah. to have have people put in the right strategies and the right structures. And it's all based around the stewardship. You know, as you and I have talked privately and the I'm a firm believer uh, that the technology of, of artificial intelligence is going to wash over this industry, oh, meaning yeah. the financial services industry. But the one thing that it cannot replace well, uh, a friend of mine challenged me on my contention that they cannot replace it, so I agree, I'll put well. It, it's the human connection. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is where the appropriately-minded attorney wanting to be a steward for their client um, fits right in. Uh, because the human elements, what's missing, people are going to be continue to be awash in information. And with artificial intelligence, you know, the, the bigger companies, the 401k industry is going to move more and more towards AI being the interface with your clients. And I have a hard time believing that Fidelity is going to teach their AI that they should be recommending insurance to their clients. Ah. Well, that wouldn't make Fidelity any money. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right. So it's the role of the in the of the of the attorney as that central organizing force in these clients' lives to be able to say, "Hey, these strategies are what you need at this point in time." Now, every single solitary attorney who's listening to this right now has been at dinner or been at a party, and there's some schmuck spewing terrible information about them being an expert in investments. And, and, and I want to make sure that everybody listening really understands what they need to know from a 30,000-foot view and then what your back office really helps with from the investment uh, component. So let's break those down, please. So yeah, the schmuck is a schmuck. Um, yeah, you know, again, nobody knows what the market's going to do, right? You know, and and I fall and pray to that to that swan song as well. You know that I, I unfortunately just had to end a relationship with a, a third party investment group that I had. Uh, that was a one of a couple of them that I tested uh, that promised that they had a solution about risk and all those kind of things, uh, and. Um, it's, it's just not there right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so the market's going to do what the market's going to do. Uh, and the attorney doesn't need to get into the weeds of, should we be buying Apple? Should we be buying this company? Should we be buying that bond? No. I mean, you know, study after study after study show that, you know, they don't, that managed accounts don't really beat the averages. There are places where it does make sense to fit it in a little bit. And so my back office has, you know, the ability that, okay, we've got this goal, what strategy fits it, and then let's put it in the right solution, okay? Uh, so that the attorney does not need to be out there actively managing the portfolio. 
Uh, they don't have to be uh, trying to figure out how to select the right investments. Mm -hmm. We have vetted third parties that provide those for our members. Okay. Um, and then they can just manage the relationship, maintain the relationship, and they have the ability to fire the managers when things aren't working, just like mm -hmm. I did a little while ago for my clients. Okay. Uh, and to a, to a person, my clients were saying, thank you, Greg, for doing that. Uh, we, we agree. It, the, the, the test didn't work the way we wanted it to, but we're glad that you're proactive and moving forward. And, and that's what the clients want. They want somebody that is looking out for them. And so we have now the, the marketing or not the marketing, the, the back office and the, and the solution heft to be able mm -hmm. to go out to the marketplace and say, what are the best solutions for us to bring to the members uh, of our network that have taken this role for their clients. So, so the, the, the part of the training is, is how to deal with the questions that are coming in because people are going to be asking about, you know, again, stocks, box, mutual funds, capital markets, I bonds, individual stocks, low cost ETFs, you know, futures options. I just wanted to, to kind of reiterate that, that you as a member of this network don't have to have the answer for everything because that's the support that, that Greg, your team is going to be able to provide them if they need that support. Fair statement? Fair statement from the from the analysis of current portfolios through the um, assessment of new portfolios to the projections of where that takes us. Our back office will yeah. provide all of that. So, again, the attorney just has to recognize that there's a problem that needs solved uh, and then feel comfortable uh, that the solutions that we are showing to them are aligned with what their client wants as they've interpreted so to wrap up the show today, I'd like you to kind of walk us through a client story on how you utilizing this pillar helped them achieve their wealth, right? Or live through their wealth, or I'm sure I can come up with something better, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Um, client I'm working with right now, uh, recently inherited an interest in a family farm. She, she had no desire to, uh, to own the farm. Her sister was half inherited, half of it, wanted to own the farm. They, they were farmers. Uh, but my client was done. She didn't want to have anything to do with that. She got a life outside of that. And, uh, and so, first of all, she couldn't find an attorney to, to talk to her about the tax ramifications of the inheritance and the one that she did talk to in passing gave her wrong information about capital gain. Mm -hmm. uh, so when she found me, uh, I was able to save her the, the, the belief that she was going to have a uh, several hundred thousand dollar tax bill. Uh, and then we moved on to, okay, what do you want to do? Well, I, I, I'd like to retire, but I'm not quite sure I can. Okay. Um, what's holding you back? Talked about that. And so long story made short, uh, you know, we organized uh, the, the sale of her interest to her sister and then moved the investment, the, the pot of money that came in, uh, into a variety of structures and strategies. Uh, and now she's uh, got retirement on the six-month horizon. Yay! Uh, with uh, With... 
a high degree of confidence that she's never going to need to worry about money. And the money that she inherited is going to be preserved to pass on to her kids in dollars, if not more, so that she can give them the gift that she got from her parents. Yeah. Which I'm sure is other other pillars that we're going to be going over uh, because, you know, that sounds to me like something a little bit outside of wealth management. All right. So, so Greg, I'm going to ask you my favorite question, and I don't think I've done this with you before since we've started the show. Uh, but uh, what should I have asked you about wealth management that I didn't? Why it doesn't work. Why I believe it doesn't work. All right. Oh, <laughs> I maybe should open that can of worms earlier, but go <laughs> ahead. Let's talk about that. You know, when you think about it, uh, with the way that the industry has systematized things in the the rubric of wealth management, how it's kind of it, it's it's portfolio management, right? Let's let's call a spade a spade. That's what they're calling it, right? That's the marketing craze. Uh, and it comes down to modern portfolio theory, get your right pies sliced all all the right way, um, and rebalance, and over time, things will work out. And and over time, it does. But it doesn't work uh, when you're using the money. Uh, When we're in that use phase of life, then it fails miserably. Um, And that's because the the operating parameters of that modern portfolio theory, wealth management, as it were, um, you know, came out of the 1940s. A, yeah, compared to now the static era, right? As opposed to the the millionth of a second that things change on the market, uh, and you know the activist Fed that's unprecedented that's propping up the market and all those kind of things. And so all of the those two. Oh, and by the way, there was you know the number of stocks back in there versus the number of stocks now, little and number of mutual funds, and all that stuff. It's just a completely different game. Yeah, but the industry hasn't changed, and so that's why we've taken the position that you know the right structure, use the right tool the right way. Don't try to put a square peg in a round hole. Uh, that's how you're able to preserve the wealth as we see it, which is your ability to live your life the way that you want to. All right, let's preview the next show. What is the second pillar that we're going to be talking about next week? Uh, The second pillar that we're going to chat about next week is wealth preservation. You know, you know, we brought it together and we're in a, we're at this point in life where we're talking to an estate planning attorney and we wanted to preserve our lifestyle and our legacy. Uh, How do we do that? How do we preserve we're not. We're no longer worried about kind of growing it. We're trying to preserve it and transfer something to our heirs. All right, Greg. I want to thank you for your thought leadership today and in talking about this first pillar, which is wealth management. Out of the six pillars, we're going to be diving into each one of these pillars over the next uh, now five less episodes. Uh, and so, um, Greg, if somebody wants to know a little bit more, where can they go? So Matt, uh, you can click the show notes, right? Find, find us there, uh, the Wealth Solutions Group. Uh, you can find me there. Or, you know, it's really just the best way to get to me personally is to reach out uh, at greg at dandblaw.com. That's Greg, we'll make sure. G-R-E-G, at D as in dog, and that's A-N-D, B as in boy, law.com. 
And we will make sure that we have that too in our show notes, my friend. Greg, thank you very much. And listen, uh, you need to subscribe to the show so that every one of these episodes that drops, you are going to be able to stay abreast of what's going on here with our March to a Million. So for Greg, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the March to a Million podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and get in touch with our team by visiting our website at www.wealthsolutionsgroup.biz or give us a call at 614-432-8065. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wealth Solutions Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice from qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have.